All right, welcome back to another episode of Best Hour of Their Day. I'm here with Dawn Fletcher. You may know Dawn from Mentality Wad, and welcome to the show. Thank you, Jason. I'm excited to be here. Dawn, where are you currently? In, where do you live? Where's this house I see with that I beautiful am... <laughs> coffee maker in the background? It is a nice one. Uh, I'm in San Diego, and it's a beautiful rainy day, which is rare, but I'm loving it. You know, it's beautiful here in Boulder today. I was just telling Roz, these are the days where I'm excited to live here. So I'm glad you're having good weather, you know, rainy day and all, and I'm excited to, to chat with you. I love all of our interviews, but I'm really excited to talk to you because we have a lot of similar background and I love anything that has to do with just developing a stronger mentality. So me too. Cool. talk to me about where this idea came from. <laughs> I think it was brewing for a very long time since I was a teenager. I just didn't know where the interest and the passion would take me. But after getting some schooling and education in psychology and continuing to learn about strength and conditioning and sports, then when I found CrossFit in 2007, late 2007, I felt like my brain exploded with like, this is possible to put my come com to combine my passions of psychology with sport performance and specifically CrossFit in a unique way. And that really started, that's when really the ball started rolling towards me developing Mentality Wad. And I started a website in 2012, mentalitywad.com, where I just put out mental performance tips, specifically related to CrossFit mostly every day, five days a week for over a year. And that's, that's when the website started. And since then, it's just grown and evolved almost on its own. Well, isn't it funny that people see something like Mentality Wad and they're like, oh, this is nice. She's got, you know, X amount of followers and this and that and not realizing, yeah, you know, it's kind of like that idea of uh, an overnight success, you know, 25 years in the making. So 100%. <laughs> talk to me about this first. So you're an OG. I mean, 2007, old school. Where were you going? What box... What was your first CrossFit exposure? Sure. So I was living outside of Baltimore at the time. I, I had finished my undergrad in 2005 and I was working at a, a, a gym in Baltimore, not a CrossFit gym. And I was the fitness director. I had personal training clients, but I, was, I wasn't loving it. I was already itching for something new. So when my friend talked to me about CrossFit, I had never heard of it. And Thankfully, about five miles from where I was working at that time, the first box in, in Maryland opened, CrossFit Baltimore. And so I went over and checked it out and immediately was drawn to it, of course. And so I started going over there during my lunch breaks and going over there before work and after work and wanting to spend more time at the CrossFit gym and eventually started volunteering there. I didn't, I didn't get my L1 at that time. I just started volunteering and working there, shadowing and helping. And so that's kind of when it got started in 2008. And then I moved to San Diego in 2010 to pursue my master's degree um, at San Diego State University. And I got plugged in with a box out here, which is no longer here, CrossFit Mission Gorge in 2010 in the Mission Valley area in San Diego. And I was there for quite a few years. That's when I started to get my certs. That's when I was getting my master's degree in, in kinesiology and uh, track and sports psychology. So that's really where, again, that's when I started the website. That's when all the pieces started to come together for me. And in about 2014, I got out of the CrossFit coaching scene and more into my online business, which has been going now for six, seven years. 
Well, we have a very similar path. You know, my master's is in psychology as well. And I found CrossFit in 2006, you know, much like you in old school, you know, OG. What initially made you feel like, hey, there's a ton of overlap here? You know, because you were already in the fitness world. But what made you feel specifically with CrossFit that this idea of mental performance and developing mental strength had a really strong relationship with CrossFit. Once I started to meet the types of people that, that, that CrossFit was attracting, that's what it was for me. It was, it was all these people who were interested in personal growth and development and challenging themselves and trying new things and getting uncomfortable in the gym. And again, in the global gym where I was, it wasn't that, right? It wasn't people in there really trying to push themselves and grow in that way. And so it was just really refreshing for me. I felt like I found my people. And through talking with those individuals and watching them and coaching them, I really learned how, again, like how maybe this could all be possible that I could combine these passions and then could really help these individuals who are already driven, who are already motivated, who are already excited about doing new things and personal growth really help those people hone their craft and develop as individuals and as athletes. What was your first attempt at that? You, you know, you're at, a, you're at multiple boxes, you moved to San Diego to get this master's, but where was your true for, you know, other than I started putting stuff up on the internet, you know, was it an interaction with a member? Was it with yourself? I don't know if I could trace that back, to be honest. I, I'm sure, again, I was practicing all along without really knowing it. But once I settled on this idea of Mentality Wad and having my online business, I reached out to Castro and shot him an email. And this was probably, again, 2010-ish. And I was like, I want to develop CrossFit Mental. This was my thing. I want to be on, I want to create the seminar. I want to do the thing. He's like, whoa, whoa, we're not there yet. But come to your L1, come to your L2, come to your L3. And he, and he really brought me in in a way at that time where you could... <laughs> have that casual conversation with Castro uh, back in the day, but he brought me in and he brought me to, I think it was an L2 or an L3 where I was able to do some videos for HQ and almost get my shot at it. And that really, that really kickstarted my path at that time. Dealing with Dave is not always the easiest thing to do. He's very direct, you know, very short when he's talking what was your interaction with him like other than him saying hey come take these seminars beyond that was it like okay this guy's cool or was it like this guy you know is is what he portrays himself to be online no he was totally cool uh we always had great interactions and back then it was more frequent than it you know than it has been in the past eight to ten years since the sport has grown and it's gotten so much busier but in the San Diego culture, it, it was more just like everybody knew each other at that time. And we were all interacting a lot. And Dave was around a lot. And so I had a lot of positive, pleasant interactions with him. And he honestly, he really helped me get started, whether it was something he believed would eventually help CrossFit HQ or whether he just wanted to give me a shot because I was persistent and I was passionate and I cared about what I was talking about. I don't know. Maybe I'll never know. But when I see him around, we always have hugs and you know, high fives and, and the OG talk. Yeah, Dave's a great guy. He just gets a bit, you know, he is who he is, but he's a great dude. And when he likes Holy. you, he likes you forever. So you, you've got this great blog. What is your most successful blog post? Shit. I don't know. Uh, good question. I think I have since 
the blog got popular, I basically took all the best content from my blogs and put it into a program. And now that's what I sell online as a, as my main online program. Actually, I think I do know. I think the one of the best blog posts I ever wrote or most popular ones I ever wrote was basically about how you are more than enough without accomplishing anything. And that if you can move from that sense of empowerment, that anything is possible. But when we try to gain our worth and win our way into liking ourselves, it can become a slippery slope and a trap. And I think that was one of my, one of my main first blog posts that, that, you know, went viral in some way to some small degree. <laughs> so how much overlap is there though? You know, you, you focus on CrossFitters, but isn't this really something that anyone can benefit from? Yeah, there's specific, I do have the specific program on there that I sell is mainly for CrossFitters, but obviously there's a lot of, there, like you said, there's a lot of carryover and overlap into just general personal development and growth. So Mentality Wad is absolutely for anybody, anybody who wants to improve in any way across the board. But then I do have specific tools on there for CrossFitters and more general tools for other athletes who are competing or individuals who are wanting to improve. Talk us through it. Someone's listening to this. They're like, okay, I do want to improve my mental performance. I you know, want to have my best open ever. I'm getting ready for the age qualifier or a sanctional. What does it look like? Like, how will this, you know, most people just think, okay, I want to get better. I need to get fitter. I need to work out more. But we overlook this very important part of our body called the brain. So, so talk to me about what that looks like. Where does somebody start and what should they expect to accomplish in this program? Well, you're already at a good spot if you're at that point where you're willing to say, I want to work on my mindset. I recognize it's an integral part of my performance. And so you're already open and willing and you're already looking for those resources, which I always say is pretty cool. And from there, the, the, the next biggest piece is just growing in awareness. And you can do that through posts on social media, just by reading them. You can do that through working with myself on one-on-one -on -one coaching. Otherwise you can get on the program or buy like an ebook or a product, which I have on there as well. But any, any avenue you take, I guess, it doesn't matter as long as you're open you're, and you're willing and you can grow in awareness and that will hopefully help you. Each person has their own individual challenges and we all do. And so once you learn what those are, and once you gain some tools to overcome them, you're going to be, again, a, a better athlete. You're going to be a better performer. Who's the most successful athlete you've worked with, if you're allowed to, to use their name? Um, I mean, I've worked with new, I've worked with probably over 20 CrossFit Games athletes. And um, <laughs> yeah, I have, a whole, I have a whole bunch of testimonials on my website, I guess. I, I don't know. I mean, I think like being able to coach Christy Adkins like five years ago was really cool because she had probably been at the games more times than anybody I'd ever worked with. So eight years at that time. Well, which Christy's was, a, you know, East Coast girl. So is that how yeah, you yeah. yeah, yeah. No, we connected. I don't know. When she was out in San Diego training at Invictus, I forget how exactly, but we connected then. But some people who have been at the games like eight or 10 years, um, that's been really cool for me because those people really, again, they are even eight years into this and are at that level and they're still recognizing and they still have the appreciation for how much their mind can play into their performance. And they're still seeking, like, how do I get better at that level? When again, you're looking at them as a fan or as a coach in the sport, you're like, they got it all figured out. They're so good. They've been there for a decade, but they're still trying to get better. And it's really, really cool. So I've had some experiences like that where it, it just like even just restores my, I guess, passion for what I get to do.
What are some of the low hanging fruit, if you will, for the average everyday, you know, box attendee, you go in, you hit your one workout, they don't necessarily care about making it to the next level, but they care about their fitness. They care about where they fall on the whiteboard or on Wattify, SugarWad. What are some simple things they can do, like actionable? Right now, here's what you, you know, Fern and I are really bad at giving out specifics, like do this, because there's so much gray. And I'm sure there's a lot of gray here, but if you had to maybe give three things to do. I would say one practice creating process goals for your workouts. So you get to the gym, you see what the watt is, or your coach starts to go over what the workout is and what the, what the warm up is, is to create at least get, get used to or get competent creating one or two process goals for yourself. So it's a 21, 15 line. Let's just say thrusters and, right, Fran. thrusters, burpees, Fran, whatever it is, say, and, and for you, instead of beginning to think about the outcome that you want to achieve the score, the time, the weight lifted that you want to, just begin to think about what can I practice in this workout that's going to help me as an athlete. And so giving yourself a, a small win. It may, yeah, I guess it could be a win or it's more just a practice. It's what within this workout can I practice getting better at? And, and that, again, is less focused on the outcome that you want to achieve, but it's more what am I practicing improving during this workout? Is so, it unbroken sets? Is it breathing? Is it body language? Is it transition? Is it negative splits? There's a whole host of process-oriented goals that, that are basically put your focus more on how you're doing it than what you're accomplishing. I love it. Now, how do you measure that? So say you, uh, you go, okay, Jay, we're doing Fran today. And I come in and I say, my goal is going to be to be able to breathe through my nose Great. through the 20. Well, that's too easy, right? Because it's like <laughs> you did or you did, right? So say I change it and I say, my goal is going to be to not let myself feel like I'm getting out of breath. You know, that feeling of like, <laughs> well, that's I, a can't, tough one. <laughs> I can't, I can't keep up. Okay. So give me an example. I mean, you've you got the obvious, like going broken here, which are right. great. You know, we, right. we Fern and I talk about that, like, especially when you've been doing this a long time, a benchmark workout is really stressful Totally. because all we're looking at is this is the time I need to be, but what you're suggesting is you can actually perform better while maybe not even hitting a PR. Correct. Because if, if your goal over time is to continue to improve, it is most likely not in your best interest to go into the gym and try to perform your best every day. It's most likely in your best interest to go into the gym and practice something that will make you a more well-rounded athlete. And so maybe that comes down to be, you being more adaptable and your simple practice for the day is I'm not going to put my hands on my thighs at any point during this workout. Again, you can take a video of yourself and afterwards go back and assess to put my hands on my knees at any point during this workout. Or maybe my goal is to smile whenever I face some adversity or I start to get no rep or I can't go unbroken anymore. You can actually take video of yourself and, and watch yourself and assess yourself and give yourself an overall kind of performance assessment based on what your, what your process-oriented goals were. But it's just a different way of thinking about it. And it's a different way of approaching your workouts that over time is actually going to help you be more well-rounded. Okay, so that's tip number one. Have this yeah. process. What's number two? Number two would be probably after the workout, noting somewhere in your journal or online, wherever you keep your notes, what went well and what did I learn? I think those two things, again, are more important than outcome, than score, than time. Of course, note, note what you got in the gym and what your time was, what your score was, what your reps were, but noting what went well, what were the positives and what were the takeaways? Because yeah, if I think you treat every workout like that, I think, again, you're going to be 
you're going to be learning from what you're doing and not just doing going through the motions. Yeah, and for so many of us, it's like, hey, there's my time, that's it. Yeah. So are you suggesting you come in and you have your process and whether you're successful or not, you find something that went well in that workout? Yep. So that could be, my goal was not to, was to breathe through my nose. I took a deep breath through my mouth, you know, on rep 18, so unsuccessful. However, the win might be, well, I did make it 18 reps. Of course. Or the win Or might maybe be, it might be something totally... You're, you're right. Maybe something totally, totally different. I uh, beat my buddy. Yep. yep. Or, so there's lots of options there. All right. And yep. then what's number three? Um, average gym goer. I would say create a practice outside of CrossFit that um, is centering or grounding for you in some way. Um, knowing, I often ask people like, what do you do to gain a sense of inner peace or what brings you inner peace? And they don't even, they have no idea and they don't know, they don't practice something. So I would say have a grounding process, have a grounding practice outside of CrossFit, something that you do in your day-to-day -day life that can just help you feel calm, grounded, at ease, at peace, and build that into your daily practice. I think that's something outside of sport performance piece that is really integral to just overall mental well-being. I think that's probably one of the most overlooked things amongst CrossFitters, but probably the majority of the population. So let's, let's dive a little deeper into there because I'm interested. I'm being selfish here and I want to know because it's something of I course. often struggle with. What are some tactics you might use for that? Well, you get the, everyone has the, to experiment, right? And find out what, what feels good to them. But start with a, a list of some things that I could give after a decade of doing this to give to people some examples of what they could try. Anything from si just silence, meditation, maybe listening to an app like a, a calm app or a breathing app, journaling, reading, prayer, nature time. Like we could go on with a whole list of things that here's your options, but begin to integrate them at five minutes or 10 minutes at a time throughout your day on a week to week basis and see what you feel. Play with it a little bit, see what feels nice to you, see what feels comforting to you. And then you have to build a discipline around it really just like anything else. How many days does it take to create that habit? I can't put my, I can't say a number. I honestly think it could take one exposure if the person has a positive experience, they're going to be bought in. I think that if not, then it may take a little bit longer, you know, like two, two to three weeks is pr probably on average. But I know I've been changed after one practice of something. And I know there's many other things in my life that I've done hundreds of times and still feel like I have to force it, you know? <laughs> what was that? What's, what's something that like immediately you're like, I need more of this in my life? Uh, ice baths. Really? So you're a big proponent. Yep. And I know it's, I mean, I love them as well. For me, it's more a I have getting, one right in my backyard. Yeah, it's you. You made it yourself. I just have a big horse trough container that fills with water, and you cover it up. And thankfully, in San Diego, it gets cold enough over overnight that it stays cold. Otherwise, it dump, you know, thirty, fifty, a hundred pounds of ice in it. And and how often are you doing that? Uh, two ish times a week on average. You gotta just you just have to go for it, right? Yeah, just go out, go in, and. I would so, do it every day if it, if I had the if I had the freezer type, which I I will probably move to in the near future. But it's just yeah, something that I did once and I had such a high from, and I I thought, yeah, I get it. Do something uncomfortable, face that fear, the high you get afterwards, the feelings of like brevity and courage, that, and you want to get shit done. And just overall, this was like didn't wasn't hard for me. I was like one time, I'm good. I I love it. <laughs> I agree. I love a nice bath, and 
I like them better than a night, like a cold shower because the idea you just go in all in. So this is great for, for the listeners that, Hey, we gave you, Don just gave you three amazing tips. And I think if you start looking at it that way, right away, you'll see a difference. Now let's flip the script and talk more from the coaching box owner perspective. Obviously the easy answer is implement those, but how do you do that at the, is it at the whiteboard? Is it private meetings with your clients out for coffee? How, how do you, how do you make this happen for the everybody? Cause you're going to get the inevitable people that come in. It's like, no, 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 none of this mushy BS. Like I just want to work out and look better naked, but you know, you're actually doing them a huge service right. here. So it's one of those things where I know what you, I need to give you what you need, not what you want. But how do I make that happen at the box level? We can do both, don't you think? We can give people what they want and what they need. And that's kind of the, that's kind of the yes magic no. of a coach is being able to sense, okay, like I, I pick up what you're, what you're saying. And also like, I'm going to deliver it to you in a way that makes it so appealing that you can't resist. And so I think that starts from, from the top, right? Your coaches, your owners, being able to create a culture of people who are bought in as, as a staff to mental development, personal development, personal growth. And from there, hopefully you can filter it down in different ways. I, I like everything that you said from meetings with clients, like on a monthly or every, every 60 day basis. Imagine if every gym had each, each member was assigned to a coach that they had a 30 minute meeting every month or every, every 60 days. How cool that would be when we talked about basic things, like what are your goals and what are you doing to develop yourself? And what kind of questions do you have? How can I help you? Um, you know, posting things on your Facebook and beyond nutrition challenges, what are we reading? And maybe you have something every week where you sit down and we do a book club and we talk about it, but even having those options, I think having that dialogue, having that culture gets people interested, but they normally, it normally takes a bunch of different ways that you have to approach it just like anything. Cause it's it. not everyone's gonna, like you said, not everyone's gonna respond to you standing at the whiteboard talking about how to take notes in your journal. No, of course not. Well, I know this is a little bit of a tough question for you, but I like what you're saying. The challenge for box owners or coaches is, do I charge for this? What's your Mm -hmm. suggestion there? I think if you had someone who on your staff who was willing to lead, lead that charge and you could pay that staff member, then it would be something like a a $10 add on. I think if, again, if you could make a program out of it or you could create some structure out of it, then it could be an add on to the value and an add on cost for, for members who were really interested in that. But I think generally, if you're just bringing it to the table as, as gym owners and as a staff, then there's no need because again, I think it depends on how you structure it or if you structure it. Is this something that you think can be done in a group setting? Absolutely. I think it'd be even more powerful if it was done in a group setting or small group setting, especially again, at, even just being offered to the members. Uh, I think there was, it was, a, it was a while back and I forget what gym it was, but they had like mindset meetings every Wednesday night at their gym. And I don't believe it was anything additional. It was just somebody who was really passionate about it at 6 PM and it was a small group and they would do that on Wednesdays. And again, I think that creating that, type of culture that's even an option is is going to get more people interested in and in have them build a greater understanding of what impact it can have so something you said earlier is you know getting to this idea of it doesn't have to be based on your performance to find happiness Mm -hmm. are you seeing a lot of people 
that base their own self-worth on how they perform in the gym? Yes, especially I think the further into the sport you get and the more you begin to care about your performance, your outcome, getting better, comparing yourself to others, the more you want to compete at that higher level because it is a comparison game. You know, our sport is there's a lot of leaderboard. There's a, there's the way you get to the top is by being ranked is by having your scores out there is by posting your videos, etc. So I think that it's very easy to get caught up in those thinking patterns that we all have to learn the hard way, or we all have to learn when or if that isn't serving us and then what to do about it. Right. Because spoiler alert, at some point your performance is going to go down. Yep. Spoiler alert, right? And we all will get to that point where like, oh shit, like I'm either injured or I'm sick or I can't keep up or someone is better at whatever it is. And again, what do we do with that information? How do we internalize that or not? And how do we integrate that? What do we, how do we move forward from that? I think that there's, there's not a lot of information out there about what I wish there was more. I wish there were more people like you and I who are really passionate and interested and we could get more coaches out there um, educated and equipped, but you know, I don't think people know what to do with that when they get to that point. You know, and I think as you're saying this to me, it really is a great opportunity for boxes to have better retention. Agreed. Because you know, people will get hurt and things will come up, people will move, whatever. But there's a huge percentage of box owners that lose people because they're burned out. Mm-hmm. They're burned out or they realize, hey, this I'm not getting better or as good as I want to get. But giving them these wins, you know, that don't necessarily come with the time stamp is really lucrative. Have you seen that in your experience that people are actually just doing CrossFit longer because it's less the the challenge with CrossFit is it's really stressful yeah and I think people get to the point where they think I can't keep up with this right whether it's with the programming whether it's with all the movements I need to learn whether it's with that idea that I think I should be getting better all the time but I'm not and I and it's too much for me and so there's this imposed stress of this is too hard like you said, it's too stressful. I cannot keep up to the degree at which I want to be. I want to be performing. It's too much for me. It's too consuming, and it can be, of course. And so again, there's. Yes, I I 100% agree with you that people could be have more longevity in CrossFit if there was a greater talk and greater appreciation for the process of how am I getting better as an individual? How am I getting more well-rounded as a person? Even if my scores and times and snatch and muscle-ups aren't improving, how is this community, this culture, this strength and conditioning program helping me improve as an individual and become more well-rounded, more adaptable, more resilient, more confident, more genuinely joyful or happy a better spouse or you know or parent or whatever what how is that process changing me regardless of my outcome and my results so so many people think to themselves okay i want to get fitter more is better more is better i want to do more as as someone you know in your in your experience how do you get those people to say okay maybe a day off with a focus on my mental component would actually further my development than another day of snatching. I, I, uh, 
I can't force anyone to do anything. I try to provide good examples. I try to provide witty content. I try to provide testimonials of other people who have been in the same shoes, who have listened to that advice and let them know how it has worked for them. I try my best to share content that's valuable that people are going to learn from and grow from. But it, it really, until that person gets to that place where they are up against that wall and they're having that really that experience that just doesn't feel good for them, are they gonna be maybe willing to look at it from a different direction or ask for help or contact one of us who are professionals with a lot of experience and say, what would you suggest? So this is kind of that, well, when one is ready, the teacher will present itself. Yep, and I'm gonna keep doing my best to pump out all the content in the meantime, but until you're ready to hear it, it doesn't matter what you're seeing or reading, right? Until you're really ready to Take it in. Well, what keeps you motivated to do that? To pump out the content, like you're saying, to help these people. Because sometimes, you know, Fern and I feel it. I've been involved in other, you know, whether it's my boxes or companies. And you're like, man, I put 110% of myself out there and these people just don't get it. I'm slamming my head into this wall. What keeps, what keeps Dawn motivated? You know, waking up every morning wanting to help the unhelpable at times. <laughs> See, I'm working with such a select group of people that are truly coming to me for help. So I don't think I have the same struggles as a box owner would have, or even, you know, somebody else who does different type of coaching. People who are coming to me genuinely are ready and willing and want help. And they're either going to pay for it and it's not cheap, or they're going to sign up online and they're going to do a program or they're going to read a book. And they're already at that point where they're ready. So it's very easy for me to stay motivated because the people who I'm working with are very motivated to improve typically, whether they're first year in CrossFit and they're just stumbling through to try to get better or they're 10 years in and they've been to the games eight plus times, they are really ready when they come to me. So I'm working with highly motivated, driven individuals who are ready for change. And it makes my job, how I feel, it makes my job really easy. Also, I think an important part of staying motivated 10 years into this is that, that I vary my approach and I try different things and I put myself out there in new ways so that, again, it started with a blog. I probably haven't blogged in seven years. And then it put on, I put on an online program and then some other content. And now, you know, and then I used to do speaking and I stopped doing that. Now I'm doing more speaking and mastermind groups. And so I continue to look for ways for myself to continue to grow with the business so that I can do new things and challenge myself in new ways. And that really keeps me motivated. Well, you mentioned two things and I want to ask for your opinion on this. Other than mentality wad, you keep mentioning, hey, you can look at things on Instagram and, and social media. And I agree when you sift through kind of the BS, but what's one Instagram that you think we should be following that maybe we're not? Finding Mastery. Michael Gervais, who, yep, who is the Seattle Seahawks um, sports psychologist. And he, he puts out what I think is the, is the best in content for the combination of personal psychology and sport performance. Same question about a book. What's one book that you think every, everyone listening needs to check out? And why haven't you written a book yet? I'm 80% there and the tips are coming. It's going to be short form, Tim Ferriss style, mental performance tips. Well, I definitely want to have, I'm that really sounds like my type of book, especially if there's a lot of pictures in it. But we'll definitely- <laughs> I'll work on the we'll, pictures. We'll have you back on. We'll have you back on to, to talk about that. But what's another book other than yours when it's out? Oh, 
Let me think of one, a good one that I think may, most people haven't read. Um, Greg McGowan, Essentialism. I think it's one of my favorites. That is one and of my again, favorites. Yeah, it's not that maybe people wouldn't, if you're really into like the sport performance side, you may not read as many books on like personal growth. And again, I try to, bl I try to blur those lines a lot because it's, it's all connected. But I think that that one has a lot of really good takeaways for life. What do you do when you're getting overwhelmed? So many things. Here's my like little journal and prayer book right here. I just keep it next to myself. I think the, the number one thing I do is silence. What's the last thing you just wrote in that journal? I, before I got in the call with you, don't try to prove anything. Slow down. Ask him questions. Was that to me? Yeah. What's, what do you, you haven't asked me one question. Well, I, I know. <laughs> My performance score is a zero out of 10 so far. <laughs> I like that though. Analyze, boom, give mm -hmm. yourself a real score. So are you constantly just writing notes down? Mm -hmm. Pretty much. I mean, I have my phone and I have my notepad that I typically write stuff in, but I always have a notebook with me. That's just everything I've ever done in my life that's been worthy has started with notes on a piece of paper. You know, and that's interesting because I'm like, oh, always, well, I got my phone, I could take notes. Do you recommend a notebook versus just your phone or iPad? I honestly don't know how much it matters. I just think that as long as you're, you're doing it and it's somewhere where you can revisit and that's all that really matters. All right, Dom. Well, I don't want you to get off this call with a zero. So do you want to ask me any questions? So you're into like quite a few different things. I know what you have going on. What's the thing that, what's the project that's most exciting to you right now? Hmm. That's a great question. I mean, I, that's a oh man. You got a 10. You just earned yourself a 10. Um, I would say, honestly, the project that's most exciting to me might, right now is my jujitsu journey. Cool. You know, I, I would I love I to say. I didn't even know about that one. Yeah, I would love to say, you know, I, I tried to, you know, think because I love growing Best Hour and Fern and I, you know, have some amazing things. We're going to HQ next week. We're coaching, you know, the underserved class. I love what I'm doing with Thunderbro. But both of those, you know, are, are fun. They're exciting, but truly my passion is like showing up to jujitsu every day, getting my butt kicked by women half the time, actually 90% of the time. And, you know, but, but showing up again and being like, how can I get better? And like, today was one of those days where it's like, you know, that cliche expression of 1% better, you know, working one move, got it. And then wind up getting choked, you know, working it again, got it, you know, get choked again and finally get it and not get choked. So I love it's that. Really, it's it's fun for me to 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 have that and and kind of like a lot of the things that you've talked about. One thing I need to think about that I don't do. I leave jujitsu often. Like man, that this girl Fabiana, she's a brown belt. She's um, you know, probably a hundred and fifteen pounds, and she's will any dude listening, she will choke your ass out. And I, and I love it because because I told her like one of the first days I met her, I was like. You've made me get rid of all my excuses about being small. Because <laughs> yeah. I see you beat some of the bigger dudes without getting out of breath. But I like this idea. What I'm going to start doing is A, bring a notebook and B, writing down, you know, one win that I get every day. One win and something I learned every single day. I'm going to start doing that. Thanks to you. Um, what else? I love answering questions. Do you have anything else for me? Oh, I have a lot. But that, I love that you said that because that's not... I didn't even know that was something you were involved in, but that's pretty cool to hear. Yeah, I think, you know, and, and you know, to that point, 
um, be anxious to hear your opinion. So many people put their value in kind of their work and career. Of course. You know, and while I'm really proud of everything I've done, I don't want to be defined by that. And I think too many people, it's like, what's the first question most people ask other yeah, people? what do you like, do? What do you do? And, you know, and the answer is always work, but it's like, hey, what do you do? Well, I work out, you know, five or six times a week. I, you know, like to think I take good care of my, you know, family here but um i think that's i think that's really important to kind of flip that that mindset so hopefully I, i've really enjoyed this idea because oftentimes i'm interviewing and talking to people it's like trying to benefit everyone else but this one was very selfish for me because i'm like i need to learn for me i think that's really cool and i actually think that's when some of the most organic conversations and, and when we can make the biggest impact is when we just share our own learning lessons or share what we're practicing and working working on with others like my favorite thing to ask people is like what are you what are you practicing what are you working on like what things within yourself are you trying to improve or or overcome and if a person can't answer those kind of questions they're typically not my kind of people <laughs> yeah well so let me let me flip it back to you of course as someone that you know focuses on mindset and you've been very successful in a in a very hard space it's hard to separate yourself in the fitness space period. But, you know, I find like the mindset people are like, you got some dude that took a, you know, a, a class. Mindset people. Well, everyone's a mindset. No, you know? I know, I know. And I'm there as well, don't get me wrong. But what is one thing that you're still working on? Oh, so many things, it's insane. Oh, goodness. I would say the biggest one I'm working on right now proactively is my public speaking. I started going to Toastmasters class a couple of months ago to work on my craft and it's been really fascinating to watch that process unfold and to just learn new things about myself. So it's, that's been really fun for me is just that growth period of, I used to be in the gym so much and in front of people all the time. And then I got, behind the screen and put my business online. And for five years, I was, I was realizing I wasn't getting out in front of people and in crowds and talking. And so I built up some fear around that and just nervous energy and nervous excitement around public speaking and getting in front of people and making sure I could clearly convey my message and all of that. So this new year, I was like, I'm going to these Toastmasters classes. I'm going to commit and I'm going to make this happen. And I have some cool speaking engagements coming up that I'm excited to see how it, how it pans out. Well, as someone that takes a lot of pride in their public speaking myself, I can tell you it's working because there are two things you do really well. One, you don't have a lot of crutch words, the ums and likes and uh, those. And the reason you don't, my opinion and my experience would be because you're talking slowly and deliberately. And most people, this is what I tell them. Are you, do you, is it written down? That's in your because journal? I wrote that, you know, slow yeah, down. See? Well, I explain this to people all the time, especially at level two seminars where the coach is just yapping a million miles a minute like slow the F down. One, no one notices. I guarantee until this point in the podcast, no one thought to themselves, these two people talk really slowly. What they're thinking to themselves is these two people are really freaking smart. And that's because, and I'm, you know, I'm joking a little bit, although we are really smart, but, but, but it's because when you slow down, you're not actually saying less. You're just removing a lot of those filler words and you're thinking about what you're saying. 
and I can tell I've Thank never been to that. Toastmasters, but you know, well, I've in had... class, if you use if you use a filler word, they actually click you with a a, a clicker, and so it's something you become really cognizant of. And it's obviously something I was aware of before I began going to these classes, but they'll sit back there and I actually click how many likes, ums, yas, buts, you knows. And so you become even more aware and then you're more willing to slow down and be thoughtful and have pauses and it becomes more comfortable. So it's all a practice. It's just fun for me to learn about anything new. And so it's been a cool journey for me. And if you're listening and you're a coach, guess what? You're a public speaker. Yep. And I'll give you two examples. The first example was when you get hired for the CrossFit seminar staff, every few months they get all the new hires together. They fly us out to San Diego and they have you practice your public speaking. And, you know, over 10 years ago or whenever I went to mine, one of the new hires, his name was uh, Donovan Degree. He's no longer on staff. Great dude. He's actually one of Rich Froning's first training partners. And he gets up in front and he's giving the what is CrossFit lecture. And every other word was um and like, and with someone like Boz or maybe Nicole Carroll, hey, says this to him, slow down. And immediately it was noticeable. All of us trainers were thinking, wow, what a difference. Secondly, when I had my intern program at my boxes, I used to film my coaches and I had one of my great friends, a really smart guy, his name's Peter. He was interning and he filmed himself coaching and every other word was like, literally every other word, like, do it like, like, like everything. <laughs> so I say, I, I pulled him aside. I said, let's go watch this, Peter. And I want you to count how many times you say like, and we watched the entire five minutes or whatever it was. He said, I didn't say it once. What are you talking about? And I said, are you messing with me? And he goes, no, I didn't say it. So we watch, and it made me question myself. So we go and watch it again. And, and I put like a little sticky note on my screen. And every time he said it, I gave it, a, and he was, oh my God, I had no idea. And this is someone really prominent job for the, for the state, New York State. He helped a lot of people in politics and it made a huge impact on his life going forward. It was really incredible. So if you're listening to this, I want to challenge you to do the same thing that Don and I said, slow down. You know, maybe you don't give yourself a click, but give yourself a burpee every time you catch yourself doing it. Give me, yep. give me one, one other thing you're working on, Don, before I let you go. Mm. Delegating. That's always a work in progress eliminate automate delegate type of thing yep i have no problem eliminating i have no problem automating and so the work is in delegating and being smarter and wiser about my practices around getting other people to help me so that i can continue to make sure that i'm spending my time on the things that i'm most passionate about it's something i'm very aware of but it always takes work what was the hardest thing you let go of when it came to mentality one I think initially was my social media, which was the best thing I ever did. And I at first I had I've had some interns throughout the years help me with things, but then really hiring someone to fully take over that and eliminate that from my plate has been uh, the best thing I ever did. But it would it felt like I was giving away my baby or something, you know, like <laughs> this is what I've made or produced, and now you're going to handle it. But you know, you practice working on that relationship back and forth, and it becomes something that's really natural, and it, it can still maintain my voice. So, 
that was really something that was good for me. But moving, moving towards even greater alignment for me means more delegation. Yeah. I mean, if you want to grow your business, you've got to be willing to give things up. And I, one thing I heard, and I believe it was from Tim Ferriss, you know, who really promotes that in the four hour work week is don't delegate what should be eliminated. Agreed. So many people just, you know, box owners, especially I was the worst delegating all these things where really 90% of them we shouldn't be doing in the first place. Agreed. Well, Dawn, I feel like you've given yourself a 10. Great question. And not only, I want to just let you know, I'm being 100% serious. I have a notebook that's like buried in my bag right now. I'm pulling it out and I'm going to keep it beside me all the time going forward. It's a passion planner given to me by Austin Maliolo. I keep some notes in it, but um, especially during the night, I wake up with these ideas, often jokes. I wake up with jokes and then I'm like, oh, I'll remember it in the morning and I never remember it. Have you done any stand up? So I really want to. I really want to. My wife pushes me to do it. And it's not that I'm, the last thing I am is worried about being on stage. It's right. A, stand-ups live their lives from like 10 p.m. to 2 a.m. You know, <laughs> when I'm trying to be healthy, I'm in bed by nine o'clock half the time. And B, just coming up with the material. Let me run a joke by you while we're here. <laughs> All right. So it's not written out, but I've kind of got the premise to it. Let me know what you think. This will probably offend you and many people listening. So <laughs> it makes me laugh till I get. But I have this kind of premise of, I go into the bathroom and if you live with someone else, like there's some things in there. So I go into the bathroom and on the toilet is this box of tampons. Now for men, we're like tampons, they're tampons. But then I look closely and there's a level on these tampons of how serious this is. Like a one is no big deal. A five is really bad. And in my mind, I'm like, women are fucking crazy because men, if our genitals are bleeding, there's no one, there's no five. It's an 11. There's a problem here. We have to go to the ER. So that's my joke. Women, women, are, women are insanely stronger than men. <laughs> there you go. Um, that, I can see that working. I can see that working with all of your other material combined about uh, marriage and things and bathroom and sleep and all of that stuff that, is, that we all experience. Well, and then the other second part of that is they say, well, how do you, like, I'm looking at this box, you know, I'm using the bathroom, I have nothing to read. So I'm reading this box and it says how you can base your flow is uh, by weight in grams. Right. I'm like, so, okay, so women are like putting their, their blood on no. a scale and like, oh, this is a three. <laughs> I didn't even know it said that. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, if you're listening, hopefully, hopefully I didn't offend you, but I'm, I'm, I'm working on that material. All right. I'm, I do the same. I think, well, maybe I gave improv a chance recently. And I think I was like, maybe I'll just do stand up just to try it. It's just to push myself and do something different and new. But I'm all about having the journal nearby. I try to be intentional about, hey, I'm about to hop on this podcast. What are two or three things I want to work on or remember or think about? And I put them down after the call, kind of do the same thing, just whether it's on paper in my head, just have gratitude for it and then assess myself with any major takeaways and go on. Well, I'll let you assess yourself, but I will assess you as well. I'm going to give you a 10 out of 10, Don. Thank you, Jason. You've done great. It's been perfect timing. It was great timing. to be here. Because my coffee is done. So, <laughs> awesome. Let's so, be in touch, and thank you again. Yeah, thank you. And but, but, but before you take off, give everybody the 30 seconds where they can check you out, where they can find Dawn, Mentality Wad, all that good stuff. 
Great. Mentality underscore wad on Instagram, mentalitywad.com. My online mental training program is on there. I have a host of other products and eBooks that you can purchase. Dawn at mentalitywad.com. If you have a question or if I can help you out, if you're interested in one-on-one -on -one coaching, I will uh, do my best to get you in whenever I have open spots. That's how you know she's good. She's got to squeeze you in when she finds an open squeeze spot. In. Well, Dawn, thank you so much for coming on. It's been great to see you in person and I appreciate all you've done. Thank you, Jason. We'll be in touch. Take care. Thanks again for listening to Best Hour of Their Day. And thanks again to our special guest. We appreciate all you guys do for us with Best Hour of Their Day when it comes to sharing our posts on Instagram, when it comes to subscribing to us on YouTube, when it comes to the constant feedback we are grateful and we appreciate it. We are trying to build a community based on coaching development and becoming the best version of yourself. And it goes without saying that we couldn't do without all of you. So if you haven't already, please subscribe to our YouTube channel. Season one of Dropping In is out. We are getting tremendous feedback and we'd love for you to check it out. Leave us a comment on there. Head over to our Instagram, give us a follow, like our pictures, Feel free to share anything that resonates with you. And if you have any questions, comments, concerns, or feedback for us, please don't hesitate. Email us, besthouroftheirday at gmail.com. Thanks again. Until the next episode, we hope you've had the best hour of your day.